Hello and welcome to Alchemy, where we try and make sense of an upside-down world. Thank you for tuning in. We really hope you enjoy the show. It's great to be back on air. We had an enforced absence due to financial constraints for a number of months. But we're back now and broadcasting every second week. Hopefully you enjoy the show as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. We're free, on demand from iTunes and alchemyradio.net. And you can follow us and join the Alchemy community, which is ever-growing on Facebook and Twitter. So don't be shy. Say hello. We don't usually bite, although if you bite first, we may snap back at times. Not really. We're very nice people here. We exist thanks to your kind donations, so thank you to everybody who does so via our website. We're completely non-profit and intend to stay that way. And we really couldn't do it without you because unfortunately we are bound by the belief system that is fiat currency and we need some of that to exchange for bandwidth and the like. And since there are enough people in this world who believe in that system and allow for it to exist, we do need a little of it from time to time. So thank you everybody. Anyway, on to the show. This week's guest is comedian and ex-banker Aidan Killian. Aidan is from Ireland and in his own words has a little hobby of trying to understand the bizarre legal world and the financial matrix that has been used by various human beings to try and take other human beings' stuff and freedoms away. Aidan has written a book entitled Dear Plonker, Comedian vs. Corporations and that's what we plan on discussing in depth today. Whilst essentially it will be a journey through the Irish legal system and the comedic values that Aidan has brought to his trials and tribulations within same system, because Ireland is a common law jurisdiction, this applies for the vast majority of the Western world. So if you're based in Australia, the US, Britain, Canada or most of the English speaking world, the principles applied by Aidan will apply to you also in many cases. There will be a number of Irish specific companies mentioned as well, such as VHI, who are a health insurance company in Ireland, Meteor, who are a phone company and a couple of others as we go along. But for those who might be daunted by the prospect of talking about the law, Aidan's particular slant is extremely engaging and most enlightening and I think we're going to have a rollicking good time on Alchemy today. So Aidan, welcome to Alchemy. I'm sure you can describe it much better than I can and considering a lot of the subject matter that is tackled on this show is anything but funny, tell me, what is a comedian such as yourself doing on the show? I'm here because you invited me to be here and I'm happy to be here. But what I've done is I've published a little book, or should I say the Common Law Society have published my little book, which is called Dear Plonker, which is uh, my story as a comedian versus corporations and how I beat e-flow, debt collectors, solicitors, the bank, uh, insurance companies. And I just put them chapter after chapter and I show each email or each letter and I break down how I did it and I make it funny. Well, there you go. I've read the book. It is extremely funny. And um, before we get into the book and the contents therein, let's have a little talk about your background, or you tell me at least a little bit about your background. I mean, what got you into comedy? What got you into writing this book? What got you into so much trouble with debt collectors, etc.? So, how did you get from where you were to where you are now? Well, when I was five years old, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the quick version. Uh, I worked in. 
I went. I studied finance, got a degree thing, went, did, uh, got a job in a bank, an investment bank called Bear Stearns. Ended up in Tokyo, bought property, had shares, had loads of stuff, and I did comedy for presentation skills because I thought if I could be a better comedian, I'd, I'd have. Because you know, in banking, it's a, like in a lot of jobs, it's not exactly what you know. Sometimes it's what you can give the impression you know. Yeah, of course, perception. Uh, perception, which is it's, it's sad in a way, but I was, maybe it's because of the Irish thing, I wasn't so great at public speaking. And I remember getting nervous when there was all these guys who were more senior than, than I was at the time looking at me, even if I knew what I was doing. So once I did stand-up comedy, I had no fear with public speaking anymore. Right. And it became easy. But I got addicted to it. And then I ended up quitting. And then I had no income. And then these mortgage people and these banks and the, everybody came after me. And I was like, okay, we'll just take the house. And they said, it doesn't work like that. And I said, it does. And they said, no, it doesn't. You've got to pay us the money back and sell it. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. You sell it and you can keep what's left. And if you come after me, I'm not giving you anything else. Right. Because I don't have anything else. So I didn't have it. That was it. For me, it was, like a, it, was a, it was an investment that we did together. They gave me money. I bought something. I can't afford to pay it. They get it. Uh, that's just, that's, in my head, that's how it worked. Mm-hmm. But uh, in their corporate head, it wasn't quite the case. So that's how I was forced to learn about it. They started sending me letters. And I was like, well, well I got to respond to these letters. Yeah. So my very first letter, I think, was they, they said, uh, um, we, they, they, they said they didn't say Merry Christmas. They said Merry Xmas. All right. I hope you have a nice Xmas. Two days before Christmas, they told me that they were going to come after me for the remainder of the debt. And I'd say and that I'm, was a good Christmas. Well, actually, it was. I didn't really care too much, but I, I enjoyed the Christmas. And then after Christmas, I wrote back to them, don't leave Christ out of Christmas. And I did have a good Christmas, but I was playing Monopoly with the family and I ended up buying too many houses and I went bankrupt. Oh, well, it's just a game. And after that, I had to learn. And as I learned it, it became easy. Once you learn the lingo and you, you get the, the courage, once you break through the, that first barrier or two, you go, actually, this isn't so bad. Mm. So the next time a phone company looks for 40 quid for some nonsense thing and they send you some letter that looks all legal and scary, if you beat them once, then you've got the courage to take on the next people, you know, the e-flow or whatever it is. And that's, that's how it started. And that's essentially what Dear Plonker is then. It's your journey through legal land, if you want to call it that, and how you dealt with the various people who attacked you looking for some kind of uh, punitive reward for something that they perceived you had done to them. That's exactly it. But what's fascinating is a lot of the time, as, you'll, as you've seen in the book already, the people writing the letters are just people. Mm. And they're just doing their job. And sometimes they end up being friends with them. Well, this is the really interesting thing for me because anytime I receive a letter, such as the letters that, that you've received or anybody listening receives, whether it be from eFlow or whoever, it immediately gets my back up and they're my enemy and that's it for all eternity. They will continue to be my enemy. You take a very different approach to your letter writing in the book. So tell us a small bit about the psychology behind that first because that absolutely fascinated me. I thought, how can this guy write so nicely to these people who are threatening him with all these horrible things. Was that a deliberate thing or was that just something that happened for you? Is it the way you kind of instinctively thought you should approach things? Uh, well, let, let's look at that point first because it is horrible. Let's, let's not... Mm. I, like, I, I make this book funny, but the content, the essence of the book is not funny because mm. we are being threatened. Our safety is being threatened. People write us letters, if you do not pay this bill you may go to court and if you don't pay it you may go to prison and they give the impression that your life will be ruined yeah they put you in a state of panic in a state of fear and it's very hard to to act consciously or act in any 
sort of productive, effective way from a place of fear. Mm. Uh, so one of the great things about um, comedy is no matter how bad you are, if you're in depression, if you can start laughing, you break through that state. You change your state. If you can get someone to laugh for that moment, they're in be- they're better humor. So I, I try not, I try to look at it from a place of comedy. I try and look at it. You know, it is just a laugh. Mm. I mean, somebody wants two ten or three ten or whatever it is for an e-flow. It's the money's not really that big a deal. But when they all of a sudden I'm getting three hundred euros, and if you don't pay this, you're going to go to court. It becomes a big deal. Yeah. So what they're threatening is serious, but the the idea of it is ridiculous. Mm. It's really ridiculous. So my my, uh, my approach is that yeah, the person who signs the letter is acting as an enemy at the start okay and maybe they think you're an enemy too right but it's just that's the role they're playing and ultimately if let's just say I'm not by the way I'm not an expert in this at all for me it's just an adventure but if I was an expert and I was the greatest barrister that the world has ever known right obviously I'd be invincible to all of this stuff and if they came at me and I saw them as an enemy and I you know I came back at them ultimately they would change from being my enemy to something else Right, because first, because I, I I break it down in the book. It's on chapter seven, when I was dealing with the VHI. The chapter's called VHI tried to kill my uncle. <laughs> we'll get into that because I always thought the VHI, according to their ads, they're very caring and they're nice people. But uh, we, we, we will talk about that at some point have here. Have, have the four stages, right? So turning an enemy into a friend in four stages. So first, they're going to deny you, right? You'll write back a letter. Oh, we noticed your notice. Uh, yeah. And please send me a signed bill. This doesn't apply to me. You might write something like that. And, and, and they'll go, no, they'll dismiss it, ignore you and write back some other copy paste entertaining, which is infuriating when you take the time to write a proper letter. Sure, yeah. But if you stick to the truth and what you say is true and you continue to hold on to that, eventually they'll start to see the truth and they might uh, move to phase two, which will be they'll begrudgingly accept you. So they'll accept that there might be some truth. So mm-hmm. they'll start to give you, will see in their emails or their letters, they'll give you some leeway. And then when they see that you're right all along and you've like more or less beaten them, like in the case um, of, well, the VHI or any of them where they can see that you are right, they'll pay you the money. Right. But because you're right, they know that they're now at fault and in a court of law, they might have to take equitable, equitable responsibility. They'll have to pay you money. Yeah. And, but if you don't come after them, if you don't nail them and you're not being mean, you're not going, I told you so, you're just going, yeah, I told you this is the truth then they'll love you because you're the one who taught them you're the one who taught them well this is the truth I'm just holding it I'm not attacking you I'm just holding onto the truth you can say whatever you want but that truth's still there and I'm just holding onto it nah 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 <laughs> you see that's really interesting because that is a very different approach to most of us I know personally I can only speak from personal experience my initial reaction to any letter like that through the door is fear and I have to really make a big effort not to act from that place of fear. You've managed to successfully do that. And has comedy helped you to shift your perspective so that you can deal in the way that you do deal with these letters? Because they are, as you said, extremely intimidating and scary at times. I think uh, fear is a very low state. It's one of the worst ones. It's down there with apathy and helplessness. Uh, But I think anger is above that. Mm. Because when you're angry, you're doing something about it. Mm. But if you're angry enough times and you, you're productive and you do something about it, then you start winning. So you you just utilize anger. So I think you can use anger. Like it's like when, when uh, I'm going to make a religious thing because I do it on my comedy scene. It's like when Jesus goes in and beats up the bankers yeah. or with a whip. 
my guess is he wasn't truly angry even if he did exist or whatever right yeah, but if, sure. my guess is someone who had with that much enlightenment probably wasn't truly angry they're just acting angry so I think once you've been now that I've been angry so much with this stuff and, and infuriated right and the, but it was the fear that drove me to the anger that now I've been through it now I'm like sometimes I just act as if I am in the letters but a lot of time I don't I don't care I'm not sure if I answered your question I will push the comedy side of it then as well is is comedy then a tool that you use to throw it back in their face I suppose do you think that comedy is essential to the responses you're getting the positive responses ultimately in the letters do you think if you just took a nicely nicely approach without the comedy side of it and we will get into one or two of the letters because some of them are quite frankly are hilarious and I think most people would be terrified to just write in the way that you have um, so do you think that is a valuable tool in dealing with it it, it it definitely is because it means that I don't need to take it so seriously. Mm. So I'm writing very serious stuff, but I'm also laughing at myself, the situation, and them. And sometimes I'm rude to them, and sometimes yeah. I'm just uh, I'm just not not taking it seriously because mm. sometimes it's ridiculous. A hundred euro, your your hundred euro fine, is not important in this world. There's like hurricanes and earthquakes and millions of poor people are dying there's, there's mad stuff going on in the world all the time we could all be dead in 20 years mm. I mean don't try and get me worked up with a hundred you're all fine man I could be getting laid right now stop <laughs> stop wasting my time right yeah uh, so the humour for me was it was really for for, for the for the book uh, because I wasn't always funny Mm. Well, actually, no. It was before I started writing funny letters before the book, and then I'd written so many people told told me I should do the book. But they're not all my letters. Like with the VHI, I took it very seriously. I didn't use humor in any of the letters. Yeah, uh, because it was um, you know my uncle's life was at stake. Yeah, but in other ones where it's like a, a meteor send me a text message and waste my time having to respond to their ad. You know, I want to get paid for my time. Mm. So, I but I want a hundred euros a text. A lot of people think me demanding 100 euros a text is arrogant or some people, my mum thinks it's ridiculous. Mm. She, she read the chapter, she thinks I'm, um, I, don't, I won't even repeat the words that she called me. <laughs> I'm firmly of the opinion that many of the people who write these letters and who deal every day in their jobs with the, as I perceive it, threatening behaviour and the harassment are coming from a place of cognitive dissonance whereby essentially they're holding two opposing views but they're choosing to ignore one to facilitate what it is they feel they need to do such as their jobs in this case but deep down they're acting in contravenance of natural law and the right thing to do that if you speak to a child a child can quite often or almost always tell you what's right and what's wrong they just seem to inherently know and I think that's the state that we all begin and then conditioning changes that so if they're coming from a place of cognitive dissonance does the comedic manner in which you write the letters potentially give them an out does it almost help them deal with the fact that they are clearly acting from within the paradigm that has been created by their conditioning and does it kind of give them an out and they say right well this is a human being I can be a bit more human towards this letter because there is a person who actually wrote it as opposed to if you had written from the standpoint of a long legal tome that let's face it the person who received it initially probably wouldn't understand anyway uh, that's a very good point I think most of the times the people who get those letters don't do not have a clue what's going on mm. they've got very basic understanding and they're told what is right and they just do that so they probably have one or two responses or a few responses that they just copy paste and send back to you uh, so yeah if you break that okay it's kind of like when you ring up a telephone you ring up whoever 
some company and they put you on hold and then you speak to somebody who's thousands of miles away they don't really have the authority to be able to help you anyway or the position they, they can't really help I think what they're trying to do here is they break your energy down mm. so they bring you into their frame into their world and you follow that by staying on the phone for half an hour or an hour yeah. and until you just eventually just go I can't take this anymore just take my money I yeah. can't deal with it so I try and do the same where I take them into my world but my world isn't one of boring phone machines my world is okay right you want this money I want, I'm going to ask you questions and in the questions I'll ask serious questions but I'm also going to make it funny because if I can bring them into my world they can't deal with laughter right they don't know how to they don't need to deal with comedy I mean they get something really funny they're going to show their friends what are we going to what do we do with this guy yeah yeah. So and I won't I won't play their game. If they want me to do meet them at an hour, I'll go no. I'll talk to you uh, if you if you give me your private number on and I'll talk to you between the hours of 3 and 3:33 on Sunday. I will pick the most inconvenient time or I'll, I'll meet them for coffee. I'm if I'm meeting my friends for coffee, I'll invite them. If you want to really discuss this matter, come and join me on the Sugarloaf at at 3 o'clock on on Christmas Day, right? And if you if you refuse this offer, well then I'm, I'm, you're not you have to give me a new offer that's reasonable to me right because obviously if I play their game and turn up in their offices I mean it's going to be intimidating surrounded by men and women in suits looking at me like I'm some sort of criminal no way man they got to play my rules I love that and let's look at some of the specific examples in the book then to give people a flavour and a taste of what they can expect from Dear Plunker because I think it's the only way really that people will get the approach you've taken because it's so different anybody who's dealt with any kind of legal matter I would kind of bet my bottom dollar not that I have too many bottom dollars or dollars of any <laughs> description that they haven't seen anything like this before so pull out an example or two that you particularly liked and give us a little bit of the background of the case and then we'll, we'll actually read one of the letters that you've written or maybe a couple of the letters okay. that you've written to give people a flavour well here's one in chapter one and chapter one chapter one is about I just got a text message from, from my phone company advertising a new product. And for me, my time is valuable and I don't like being advertised to against my consent. So yeah. I informed them that they're in breach of contract and breach of duty, uh, breach of duty. And not only that, but they've shown a disregard for my time. My time is my life. So they've shown a disregard for my life. And you might, some people might think that's extreme, but I, I mean, it's just a text message. Yes, but they profit from these text messages. Mm. And if they profit from me, I want some of that. So I told them I'm not paying the bill. They said, I am paying the bill. I said, I'm not paying the bill. And if, and if you cut me off, I will hold you financially responsible in a court of law. Right. We had a few emails and then eventually they agreed. And then what happened was I said, if you do it again, I will bill you 100 euros per text. Okay. And this is what you referenced earlier on. Initial reaction here from me sitting across from you is, well, how can you do that? You can't do that. 100 euro a text sure they'll never pay it why would they how can you do that oh, well that's what I thought well I just presumed it was so high that they would make it their interest in their in their interest not to text me mm. I don't care what they need to do to update their system I do not want to be advertised to and I do want not all my time wasted unless I'm getting paid for it that's my price you might do it for a tenner a text my price is 100 euros to text. I will happily accept your text, as many as you like to give me, but I want 100 euros per text. Okay, so is that a little bit like, let's just say a toll bridge. You drive through the toll bridge, they charge you 283 or whatever it is. Same principle, is it? Yeah, why not? Up to, why not? They should up the price to 100, <laughs> but a lot less people would go, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so that's the principle you're dealing with. You're kind of putting it back on them. I mean, th this is 
what we have to put up with all the time in our daily lives so you're actually doing the same thing back exactly okay now what happened was they decided not to pay me for the 300 euros right ultimately they cut me off and I was busy I was away I couldn't deal with it when I came back from where I was I was I I received uh, numerous letters from debt collectors and one of them was uh, from a man who claimed to be Hugh J. Ward you may or may not have heard of him yeah, apparently he's from a company he's an actor isn't he Wolverine I think well I tried to contact him because I wasn't sure if he existed because sometimes I followed up with these people and they don't actually exist they're not at the bank they're not there mm. Elizabeth Ball who's she she doesn't even exist I couldn't believe it but anyway this guy I don't know if he exists I got a minute for just, just on that point you're actually saying that when you do a bit of research and digging the people who are writing to you in some cases genuinely are not real people or they've left a job or that's that's what it, I, what I get from the people who are answering the phones is, oh they're not here at the moment can you speak to this person instead no no I can't speak I, want, I need to speak specifically to the person who signed this letter mm. and I'm willing to wait how long do I need to wait oh well that person's um, hold on and then they tell me they're away or they're not in that position anymore and I said well how can I contact them and as, as far as I can see either they were never there or they're definitely not there now Okay, so permanently indisposed. Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't have the answer to why that is, but it, yeah. it, 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 it seems mischievous, to say the least. Um, so when I got these letters, for me, I'm in the right. It's really, really simple. They owe me 300 euros. I am going to get my money. They will pay me my money, and that's the end of it. But it might take a few letters because ultimately the people who receive the letters might not have the permission and authority to give me my money straight away but I am entitled to it Mm. because I made my terms clear and they broke my terms and I want my money okay so let's look at a letter so here's a letter Uh, this is in June 2013 uh, this is the top of the letter because they always put on the top of the letter notice of whatever and here's my official notification of nonsense Ori Aidan Killian versus lies greed and corruption slash Hugh J Ward Dear Hugh, thank you for your letter informing me that CMOS Limited made numerous attempts to engage with me. I must admit, I felt a little guilty at first, thinking of those poor guys looking for me. God knows it can be hard collecting things. Back in 1994, I used to collect the Premier League stickers, and no matter how hard I tried, I could never quite manage to get the Andrea Kanchelska sticker. I remember dreaming about running after Andrea as fast as my little dream legs could go, breathing heavily and screaming, Andrea! But he was just so darn quick with his wonderful luminous feet. He would slip away like a Teddy's ice cream on a hot summer's afternoon. I would wake up and realise it was all a dream and go calmly back to sleep. But as I closed my eyes, I could hear a faint sound of a Russian voice. You can't get me. Being the compliant guy that I've been trained to be, I wrote a letter to Meteor on April 25th and I'm eagerly waiting for their response. I'm sure that they will take it very seriously, but on the off chance that whoever opens it does not put it at the top of their to-do list, you and me should probably meet up and hang out. I'm more of a people person than a letter person, otherwise I'd be made of paper. Boom, boom. Get it? You can use that, Hugh. How about you, your staff, the lads from CMOS, and all the top dogs at Meteor meet with me to discuss this ongoing situation, and if we put our minds together, we can find an amicable solution. I suggest we meet on top of the small sugar loaf on June 24th at 3.03pm. I'll bring the sandwiches and lemonade. You may remember me from the email I sent to Meteor on June 3rd, 2013 that I cc'd you on highlighting that Meteor have an outstanding debt to me. Since you're in the business of debt collection, can you please bring them, can you please get them to bring the 10,300 euros that they owe me? And I will give you a tenner. If they are broke and can't pay, I'll accept barter. Meteor can paint my kitchen and shine my motorbike as a swapsie. And as a goodwill gesture, I will still pay you the tenor. 
Now I'm calling on you to provide me within seven days a receipt of this letter, the documented evidence that you're relying upon to make your claim about such alleged debts. Tick tock, tick tock. If we had a chat, Hugh, you and me, you would see that there is more to life than accumulating paper at the expense of your fellow man. I truly believe that you can do better with your life. Imagine what you could achieve if you dedicated your energy to doing some good in this world. Love, forgiveness, truth and joy to all human beings, King Aiden. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. I had to turn down my microphone here. <laughs> yeah, at, at so, point. So, <laughs> so there's lots of stuff in there, lots of really interesting stuff, lots of really funny stuff. And I think the first reaction, certainly when I read the letter in the book, was, well, this is completely trivial. This is nonsense. I mean, you are notifying them of nonsense, but this truly is nonsense. However, when you actually read the letter again and again, as I did, there's some very serious stuff in there. So you've mixed everything in together. It's not a case of you just writing a ridiculous letter and then next time round dealing with it in a legal sense. You're actually mixing the two in each letter. So with regard to the trivial stuff or what might, might appear to be trivial, because you've put it in print, you've put it on the record, so none of it really is trivial. Sugarloaf. Did you actually go to the Sugarloaf on that date? I did go to the Sugarloaf. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, what yeah. if you didn't go and they did turn up? <laughs> that could potentially pose oh, yeah, a problem yeah, yeah. for you, well, you know. I mean, he must have hid himself very well because it's very small on the top. Of yeah, the so you're actually willing to back up what you say in the letter. So that, that demonstrates that. So let's look at some of the serious stuff. Because right. you, you made a couple of offers there that, again, appear to be trivial. The Sugarloaf was one to meet up. They didn't accept that offer. You've rejected a number of their offers in the past. So towards the end, you said something that was quite sobering. Um, tell us about that paragraph, because the end paragraph is kind of the crux of what we're getting at in a legal sense there. At the end of the day, oh, which bit, the, the bit where I say he can be a better man or if he call, I'm calling on you to provide I'm me calling evidence. on now for the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm calling on you to provide me with, with, within seven days a receipt of this letter, the documented evidence. Mm. What documented evidence does this person have? If any, because I know he can't have any, because if he does have any, then he wouldn't be contacting me, because the documented evidence is, I'm owed money. Mm. I'm the victim here. These guys stole my time, right? And now they've cut me off, and he's claiming that I owe them money. That's insanity. Mm. That is pure insanity. And the only reason I would pay that is if I'm in a place of fear, because I think they're going to beat me in court, or because I, I, I'm charitable, and I just want to give the money for free. But that's it does not make sense for me to, to like pay just because a debt collector tells me to I don't know who this man is mm. I don't know if he exists I don't know if he's a good person or a bad person when I researched his website it says he's got 25 years experience uh, they said 100 years in total but there's 33 employees then again it said 28 and 33 there was an, an error on their website Okay. so if he's already proven that he, he can't tell the full truth on his website due to incompetency or, 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 or is it just lies I don't know but I can't take somebody seriously until I know they are so if he meets me and he shows me documented evidence or even sends it to me and then I, I see that it's, I'm at fault of course I'll pay but I know that that's not the case so right now this person is threatening me and he probably hasn't done any research and I don't think that's reasonable so you're drawing out the lie in essence you're trying to expose the game that he's playing in other words look if you claim that this money is owed show me that it is and then there's no problem so in a sense, you've, kind of, you've made an offer there, um, a conditional offer, if you like. And I know if I was in Hugh's position, I'd be showing that evidence because straight away then he has you by the balls, so do, to do speak. Do you know what they did, John? They just wrote me a letter saying our client has informed us that there's an outstanding debt. Well, that's madness. That's mm -hmm. like me telling you, 
oh my neighbour owes me 10 grand will you go and pick it up mm. and use force if you have to um, yeah. and you don't look into it they can't just turn up and presume that their client is right without looking into it. And I think a useful tool that certainly has helped me in the past when I'm trying to break this down to a human level because it, a lot of it can be so intimidating when you're dealing with solicitors or legal professionals or whoever is to actually imagine yourself, break it down into people that you know. So, for example, you're walking down the street and Johnny or Mary, who you're friends with or maybe you didn't like from school or whatever, walks up to you and demands something. I mean, would you accept that if they couldn't provide some kind of proof of Depends what they're how demanding? Pretty she was. Well, it, it kind of does. Johnny <laughs> then, we'll say Johnny rather than Mary. But <laughs> I think most people wouldn't accept it without some kind of proof of the claim. Yet this is, this is exactly what you've just described, the situation there. So why would you accept it just because it comes on a fancy piece of paper from Hugh Ward, who you don't know? Well, I wouldn't. It's that simple I've got a whole book of many examples of where I just don't I just I, I look at their letter I see if I can make any sense of it I use dictionaries to explain their words mm. to me and then I simply get them to prove that there's some sort of real money owed and I would say always but actually like every single time they fail to do that so what happened in the end then of that case At the end they gave me my money I got I got an apology I didn't get an apology letter from Hugh J Ward actually no I didn't I'm owed one Damn! Yeah. I, got, I got one from Meteor. Okay. I told them to get their dogs off me. I even referred to them as dogs. Yeah. I cc'd Hugh J. Ward. I got a few letters. I demanded an apology from uh, Hugh. I didn't get one. However, the, one of the people writing me letters, working for them, contacted me privately, and we met up and became friends, and she bought me a coffee. A lovely woman. Genuinely, you met Genuinely. up? Yeah, we're Facebook friends. I could hang out with her now. I could ring her today if I wanted. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's lovely, because she, she said she found it so funny the letters that I was writing one of the letters I sent her is I, I, I enclosed two thumbtacks and, and, and asked her would she put them under Hugh's, under Hugh's chair <laughs> but she, she declined that offer she said it okay. would be inappropriate fair enough uh, so uh, yeah so that, that's what happened I got my money in the end Meteor said uh, gave me an apology twice a written one as well I wanted and um, that was it I got my 300 euros great so that's one positive but outcome it, and the book is full of positive outcomes uh, yeah I think I think all of them are I think all of them are, right? Mm. I think so. One that I want to briefly touch on, we won't go into too much depth because we don't want to give too much away. It's a riveting read, is the VHI, because that tackles the more serious side of things. Not that any of this isn't necessarily serious when you receive a letter, but again, remind us of the title of that chapter and why it's entitled. VHI tried to kill my uncle. And then in brackets, turning an enemy into a friend. Mm. The, the, the chapter was he had a heart attack he was outside the country and he needed an operation straight away and they wouldn't cover it straight away and on the day they didn't give me this full information full and final decision until an hour before the operation and this is a potentially life changing life threatening yeah. life saving operation yeah. and this is actually why I was out of the country because I, was, I flew straight over to, to help okay. and ultimately I did but by, by showing the VHI well, this is, these are your terms and conditions there's a man's life if you do not cover this this person will die he's been with you his entire life since mm. the day he was born and now you're hanging him are you going to pull the plug yeah that's what it, that's so what, you, that's you what put it, it that bluntly are you going to that's what it came down to are yeah. you going to pull the plug I mean they didn't say yes or no but ultimately that's what they that's what they did they didn't pay so I had to get 45,000 euros within 24 hours which saves his life which I, d I did manage to get, but it was a miracle that I was able to do it. Wow. Uh, 
and and we got it and then in the end VHI paid me all the money after the fact right yeah because well, I proved it right so I document because I, I asked them what are they basing this on so mm. I got documented evidence from there from the doctor I got them to put it down in, into into um, categories heart expenses lung expenses kidney expenses every tablet so I documented it so I asked them what are they basing their opinion on yeah I'm, I'm, I have first hand experience in the sense that I'm there I can witness it I'm a witness and I'm willing to go to court and accept the consequences of any international court of law because mm. I can see it and I'm recording it and I'm documenting it what are you doing? You're at a computer two and a half thousand miles away. You're just basing it on a mathematical equation. And this is a human's life at risk. So I, I put all the, uh, I put it in writing every single day. Everything they wrote, I rebutted it. One of the days she goes, if you want to complain, go to the complaints department. Right? Do you know the way they always do that? Send you off to, no, they just fall away. Yeah. yeah. So I wrote back, this is not a complaint. This is a very serious statement of fact. And you may be held criminally responsible for negligence for this man's life. So for your own safety. And then blah, blah, blah. I recommended she got legal advice and so on. Anyway, they paid me all the money. I think it was 25 grand that they needed to pay. And then my uncle, he was better at this stage. Mm. Thank God. You know, he recovered. And uh, then I, uh, I said, he, he goes, I said, you could sue them. And he's never sued anybody in his life, and right. he, he doesn't. Th- he doesn't go down that road. He, he prefers to avoid it. And I respect him for that. In fairness to him, uh, but I said, look, they owe you a lot. They nearly took your life. They caused our family a, a lot of concern. And and he goes, nah, nah, he won't do it. And I, so I wrote VHI a letter and said, look, for my time, I don't know, for my flight, one thousand euros. For my f- uh, for something else, for the cost of the trauma caused to my family. This remains as of yet unbilled, mm. and they wrote back, Mister Mister Killian, we'd like to pay your, uh, we would like to pay your flight. So they gave me a thousand euros for the flight, and then Lionel, um, my uncle was laughing again, uh, and I said, look, they could pay anything, and so I billed them my my phone bill as well for four hundred euros. Okay, right, <laughs> but I knew, I mean, they would have paid thousands. So, yeah. So, but it's a nice little happy ending. But it's just to prove the point that this works because all you need to do is hold on to the truth that which is true and don't budge and use the law there is the laws are used they're just words right mm. so we just use them for our gain so if somebody does something wrong it's a breach of duty just point that out and don't don't budge from it yeah it's like if you get a pair of shoes and there's a hole at the bottom you bring it back to the shop I'd like to bring it back there's a hole in my shoes and he says oh you, we don't do cash refunds and you walk away well more fool you they yeah. just go, there's a hole in my shoes no but sir we don't do that there's a hole in my shoe <laughs> yeah. you just could com- continue to see it. eventually he'll see the hole in the shoe and you go oh yeah there's a hole in your shoe here have a new pair yeah and I think it comes down to the basic premise that just because somebody tells you you have to do something and just because you may perceive them as being in the position of some kind of power it doesn't mean that that's the case because the only way that somebody has power is if you cede or grant it to them so take that back question everything and stand up for what you believe is the right thing because one of the things that really struck me about the book almost immediately was that you've managed to drag law and legal professionals and people who are acting as part of an overall machinery they're cogs in the machine in a sense you've managed to drag not just the system but these people back into the realm of humanity and that's one of the most frustrating things for me you can't, it's, it's so hard how many times have we tried to ring a phone company and you can't deal with a human and then when you eventually do as you demonstrated earlier they'll put you onto another department and they'll frustrate you for hours until nine times out of ten people will hang up the phone and do what they want us to do you've managed to bring it to a human 
into the the realm of humanity as I said and that is a powerful powerful tool I was going to say weapon it's not a weapon because you're not coming from an aggressive position you're coming from a more well a, a position of love as you describe it in the book you're nice to these people you're doing exactly the opposite to the to what they do when they're dealing with you and that can be quite disarming so it's disarming as opposed to using a weapon well it's the art of war mm-hmm. the art of war is it, if you if you want to win the war right the best way to do it is to not have to fight them make them be your friend I mean the, the, the ladies at the, from the VHI were actually lovely and at the end they said on the phone off the record uh, the ladies here the women at the office say if we were ever sick we'd like you to represent us Wow, so not, and she not t- only and have she you told me your friend, husband was a barrister. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt he saw some of the letters too, which opens up another kind, kind of worms, which we won't go into today. So, I mean, you can use this to get girls. <laughs> <laughs> if I'd only known that, I would have written it years ago. <laughs> you have all the staff in the VHI. You have your friend on Facebook as well. Speaking of friends, your own friends and family, um, before we start to wrap things up, how have they reacted to it? How have they reacted to your, your quest, your battles over the years, and then the book ultimately? Has it been problematic? Yeah, it has. Uh, after after banking, um, I suppose it was a bit darker going through the, the rabbit hole of the, the madness of the world and they didn't want to listen to it. And mm. I understand that now because I was, I was hyper and maybe a bit angry. How they reacted to it. My dad started to find it pretty funny. Mm-hmm. He thinks I'm very brave and he thinks it's hilarious, some of the stuff in the book. Uh, my mom's just reading it really, really slowly. She's finding it hard to read. Okay. Uh, she thinks she's frustrated with it. Uh, my sister's amused by it but what was interesting is I cc'd a lot of the family in my emails with the VHI because ultimately I knew I'd win and I wasn't going to budge but they were they gave a lot they gave a lot of hassle to me they said you shouldn't do that you can't write that to a you can't write that to you can't do that yeah Yeah. yeah, Yeah. so uh, so I stopped cc'ing them because I I didn't want it to affect my my state okay Uh, so my friends love it most of them and some I, I couldn't show it to my granny though I just don't I think it would upset her too much I'd right. love to be able to but uh, yeah there's a few members of my family that I simply wouldn't they wouldn't read it and I wouldn't want them to read it they they yeah so it's split half okay. love it no it's, it's split in three half and a third love it a third hate it and a third are in the middle they're not sure which way to go yet <laughs> right okay and it'll be very interesting to see how the public at large react to it then because I really think that this is well having known you before you wrote the book to a certain extent I think it's a book that could only have been written by you because I haven't come across anybody who approaches these issues and the, the, the fear that comes with this, these issues and managed to turn it on its head the way you have and come from I mean I always talk on the radio shows that I do about fear versus love I think everything comes down basically to those two yeah. states and I think well, essentially well yeah and it is all love fear isn't even a thing it's an absence of love it's all on the scale of, of love I'm not talking about romantic love I'm talking about hmm. good vibes man but <laughs> no fear I, I do think you have discovered a way for you to flip that on its head and people have reacted because ultimately these people are people by and large who are writing the letters and you've managed to get them back towards humanity as we said earlier there is something though that uh, that kind of sticks out for me the people in Meteor you call them dogs as opposed to people so the issue of defamation will that has that reared its head um, is it something you're worried about do you leave yourself open to being sued I mean what's going to go on there when this book gets out there which it is going to do and a lot of people are going to read it and certainly the people involved the individuals involved and you haven't held back they've been named 
they're not going to like this so what's the reaction going to be like do you think or has there been a reaction already well first I'll deal with the, with the dogs reference mm. uh, at the time I suppose I, I think there was three different debt collectors after me uh, mm. for this thing where they owed me money so what I was referring to is they're hound dogs you, you, you're sending right. these people after me so I wasn't talking about the individuals okay I didn't really mean it as attacking them I was more on, on media get, get these people off my back yeah right uh, no, they're human beings, uh, but the cor- yeah. Anyway, the corporate dogs, the corporate dogs. Uh, are they going to come after me? Yeah, bring it on. I hope you do. I fucking hope you do. I hope they come after me. I'll see them in court. It'll give me good attention for the book. It'll be good fun. It'll be book two. Hmm. Uh, I don't think they will because I'll stand by anything I've said in that book, and I'd like them to prove otherwise. And that's the thing. I mean, essentially, what the book is is you've put all of this on public record now, so. It's the truth. Presumably, you're not going to put it in the book if it's not the truth, because it is still a serious issue. It's not written for uh, to be a comedy book. I mean, you're using comedy, as we said earlier, as the tool to get to demonstrate what it is you're doing. So if it's the truth, there's nothing that you can be got, in inverted commas, on. There's nothing they can do. They can threaten, as they're very good at doing, and they can try and instill fear, but... I think what would have happened if I'd gone down the road of having a publisher and if there was a publisher brave enough to publish it, what would happen is it would get published and they would sue the publisher and immediately mm. it would go off the shelf. Uh, but I'm lucky in the sense that the Common Law Society published it and they have an infinite amount of bravery and courage. So uh, good luck suing them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So are there any last kind of points as we wrap up that you would like to get in there? Um, is there something you'd like to draw our attention to specifically that you think people will relate to that's in the book and might be uh, might be a hook, if you like, oh, for them? Uh, yeah, well, I like the TV license one. I mm. like the TV license one because I don't actually, I don't have a TV. I never had the TV. I'm not interested in a TV, but yet they still had the audacity to send me letters. Yeah. Claiming that I had to, to write to let them know that I haven't got to fill in a form. I was mm. like, what, are you mad? So I wrote back. <laughs> um, I wouldn't let him. Oh, it's too complicated. Oh, I'll do it quickly. So I wrote back and I paid him. I paid him. He wanted money, so I paid him. But I made my own currency. Okay. I, made, I cut out a piece of paper and I called it a one go fuck yourself. And I said, apparently you take payment in Visa and MasterCard. You take payments in go fuck yourselves and I paid him this piece, bit, bit of paper <laughs> and he never sent it back oh, so he accepted he, so he accepted my offer so I kept on saying <laughs> if you don't send me my money back you're a criminal I'll give you seven more days mm. and he never sent it back so the guy's got my money He's, he you see there money. are people listening now who think that's just completely ridiculous but ultimately money is a belief system if we didn't believe in money well then it wouldn't exist anyway I so. defined it I defined it it's like a voucher right yeah Somebody, somebody once was broken, but they wanted to give me a birthday present, and and she said, uh, you know, I owe you one massage, and wrote it on a piece of paper. That's money. Yeah, that has a value. Mm-hmm. I turned that in and got a massage a few weeks later, and it's the same thing. I also paid off the e flow with um with a DVD. I gave comedy tickets for payment. I've I've used everything. I even paid AIB with a pair of old socks, which they never returned. I wonder who's wearing those now. Yeah. <laughs> CEO. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, there's something in there for everybody because the cases that you've you've published and dealt with, it is the likes of the VHI, Meteor Phone Companies, TV license, stuff that we all have to deal with in everyday life. And then, I mean, the VHI one becomes quite serious as it turned out. So it's extremely accessible. And th- these are my words now. This is essentially my uh, brief synopsis of the book, having read it. It's extremely accessible for somebody who knows absolutely nothing about the law, about legalese, about how to deal with any of what's going on there. It can be read 
as a piece of comedy but I also think that anybody who does take the time to read it and there is quite a lot in there but it's also a book you can dip in and out of because it's very clearly defined the different cases and the letters I do think that something will stick at the very least and I know with one or two people who I have given the book to to read and who have read what? they should have bought it (laughs) and they will I've only let them read chapters (laughs) But, (laughs) but what's come back to me has been well yeah I don't know any of what's going on here but why did he ask this and why did that work and why didn't they come back and say such and such a thing it leads people to question and I think that's what we need and that's what people need to take back some of that power that we spoke about earlier you need to question and far be it from us or from me to tell anybody what they need to do but I'm doing it now because I do think people including myself we need to question everything why would we blindly accept something that clearly is putting us in fear is doing us harm or attempting at least to do that why would we blindly accept it if we decide to investigate it and then decide right well there's nothing I can do here I'm going to pay that I choose to pay that at least we're coming from a place of some kind of cognizance or knowledge and we can make an informed decision and we can decide how it affects us in our lives but as it stands the vast majority of the population of this country when they receive a letter through the door demanding money and it's generally demanding money it's oh well I'm terrified so I'm going to pay what you've done is you have managed with dear Plonker to remove that fear or at least shift your position or your perspective so you can deal with it not from a place of fear and that's the most empowering message in that book for me and I think will be for a lot of people I think it's essential reading I think it's to your credit that you've put yourself out on a limb you haven't hidden behind pseudonyms the book is by King Aidan but you're very clear on the back of it about who you are and what it is I mean your personal life is in there I've got a photograph of my name if they can't find me now (laughs) they're really incompetent (laughs) absolutely so what next for you you've dealt with so much here is it something that you think you'll use then in your comedy shows have you decided to enter the legal profession have you decided to chase some of the people who have wronged you what's next for King Aidan um, well maybe one of these guys will uh, contact me and give me a job that's a joke yeah, that's a joke okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, well I'm focusing on, on comedy at the moment my show is I was going to call it Saving Julian Assange but that was the preview it is the holy trinity of whistleblowers and I'm going to Edinburgh and then I'm doing my DVD in the Sugar Club on September 18th. And that's what my main focus is. After that, I don't have a set plan. I'm free to do whatever the universe leads me or guides me to do. Fantastic. And how can people get their hands on the book? And how can they find out more about you? They can get this book on dearplonker.com. And I recommend you do so right now. Dearplonker.com. Well, I'm not one for public endorsements, but I endorse this book wholeheartedly (laughs) and stringently. Of course, uh, mention to Common Law Society. If you would like to find out more about them, it's commonlawsociety.com. I have the power. You have the power. We have the power. Aidan Killian, it's been fantastic speaking to you today on Alchemy. Peace out. Alchemy.
hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of alchemy remember we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and ad free format and we're extremely grateful for any and all help that you can offer there's no fixed cost on your donations and every little bit helps so if you can spare anything at all maybe even just the price of a cup of coffee every month it goes a long long way towards keeping us afloat indeed it does keep us afloat our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance is greatly appreciated thank you to everybody for your recent help and support we really couldn't do it without you so until the next time I have the power you have the power we have the power alchemy alchemy care will intelligence imagination Thank you.